This morning I want to turn you to probably one of the most, most best-known passages in the Old Testament, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, please, if you would. <clears throat> you may have heard the story of in past years when large houses would have had dinner parties, and at the dinner parties they would have had special guests. And at this one they had a man who was a particularly brilliant orator. And so they had their meal, and after the meal... The guests began to prevail upon this man to uh, say something and to give them a recitation. Uh, He didn't really want to do it and they prevailed upon him and the old minister who was there said to him, will you recite Psalm 23? Well, the man was a little taken aback, but eventually he recited the psalm. And when he finished the psalm, the people applauded and they thought it was magnificent. But he had said to the old minister, he says, now I'll do it if you will do it after me. And the old minister said, well, if that's what it takes, I'll do that. And he got up and he recited Psalm 23. And after he finished, there wasn't a sound. They were just wiping their eyes and they had been emotionally moved. They said to the man, why, why, why was it when you spoke, everyone applauded, and when this man spoke, that people were in tears? He said, well, of course, I knew the words, I knew the hymn, the psalm, but he knew the, the shepherd. He said, I touched your minds, but he touched your hearts. And this morning, friends, I trust that as we look into the opening verses of this psalm, that the Lord will touch our hearts. That's the important thing. We can have all sorts of knowledge in our mind, but if it doesn't get through to our hearts, then it's of no avail. So I just want to read to you the Psalm 23, and we'll read it together. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of that familiar portion to our hearts this morning. Immediately I was asked to come and speak here this morning. The Lord brought these five words to my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know why, but they seem to become upon my mind and impress upon my mind. And I would like to think with you about these five words this morning. Now, we'll not be able to consider the entire psalm in detail because the time is not available. But I trust that the thoughts we have in these first three verses will encourage you and will maybe inspire you to reread and meditate upon this psalm, this best known of all psalms. I say it's best known because it's something we probably all learnt at Sunday school or in some youth organization associated with our church. And also because it's read at almost every funeral service in an endeavor to bring comfort to those who are mourning. But sadly, on these occasions, it's often used out of context because the comforting truths of this psalm apply only to those who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. They can only apply to those people. And the truth of the matter is that the Bible has very little or no comfort 
for those who cannot say with assurance, the Lord is my shepherd. When we turn to the book of Psalms, I think it's right to say that we we generally treat this book differently from all the other books in the Bible. Someone has said, we we tend to use Psalms a bit like our freezers, where we have a variety of self-contained packages and we can take them out and use them as we need them. Although this might be common practice, it's not always the case uh, that each psalm is independent from the others. For example, if we're going to get the full benefit of Psalm 23, we need to have some little appreciation of Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. Now again, we don't have time to look at these psalms in detail this morning. However, if you can have in your mind a mental picture, you have two hills and a valley in between. And there the valley in between. That would be helpful. When we look at Psalm 22, which was written nearly a thousand years before Jesus was born, it begins with the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And of course, these were the words that the Lord expressed on the cross. We discover that the first 21 verses of that psalm prophesy for us the Lord's crucifixion which was on a hill called Mount Calvary. So there's one of our hills. When we look at Psalm 24, our attention is focused on the hill of the Lord, the heavenly hill, the hill from which Jesus will reign when he returns to earth to establish his millennial kingdom. And so there's our second hill, the hill of the Lord. And since our Christian walk is a walk of hills and valleys, between the two hills in Psalm 22 and 24, we have a picture of the valley, which figuratively speaking is our pathway from the cross to the crown. This present life in which we're living is really contained and described in Psalm 23. It's known as the shepherd's psalm as 23, but all three of these psalms could be described as shepherd's psalms. Because in Psalm 22, we see the shepherd's cross. And that's where the good shepherd led down his life for the sheep. In Psalm 24, we see the shepherd's crown, where Christ, who on the cross was meek and lowly of heart, is coming again, dear friends, as the chief shepherd. He's coming to claim his inheritance, and he will be strong and mighty in battle. And Peter says he's coming to reward us with a crown of glory. So you see, there's a relationship. And because the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the hill called Mount Calvary, and it was raised from the dead, we see in Psalm 23 what we might call the shepherd's crook. Because in this, the great shepherd of the sheep is caring for us in our valley experience. So you see, we can't divorce them all, all of the time. It's interesting, I think, in the opening verses of Psalm 23, we have what we might call the psalmist's testimony because there he speaks about the shepherd in these three verses. And if you look at it when you go home, you'll find in the remaining verses, he doesn't speak about the shepherd, he speaks to the shepherd. So I just want to take those first three verses where he speaks about his shepherd this morning. And in the very first verse the psalmist does, he says the Lord is, he doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd, He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. And here he acknowledges that he is no longer his own, but he's a sheep under the care of the great shepherd. I wonder, were you aware that not everyone is a sheep in God's eyes? We find that in Psalm 22, actually. We find it there because the psalm describes ungodly people 
who reject the Savior as bulls and lions and dogs. And if we go to the New Testament, the Lord Jesus calls unsaved people wolves. And there's nothing more incompatible with sheep than wolves. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 10, he said, Behold, I send you forth as lambs amongst the wolves. And Paul, writing to the elders at Ephesus, or speaking to them, he says, I know that after my departure shall grievous wolves come in among you, not sparing the flock. So Psalm 23, with the psalmist acknowledging that whatever he may have been in the past, he's now one of the Lord's sheep. There has been a great transformation in his life. I wonder, can you say this morning, friend, maybe you're watching this morning on the internet, Maybe you're here this morning, I wonder, can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Do you really belong to him? You see, to be one of the Lord's sheep, you must not only have heard his voice calling you, and I'm so sure, I'm sure, dear friends, that you've heard that on many occasions. Not only must you hear his voice calling, but you must respond to his invitation and come to him, believing him, and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, what you do with the Savior's call is so momentous. It's so momentous. It determines both your direction in life, and it determines your destiny in eternity. The prophet Isaiah says that before anyone becomes to the Savior and gets saved, in life they are like a sheep that's going astray, turning everyone to his own way. And the problem with this own way, everyone's own way, is that it's not God's way. It's not God's way. Because you see, if you're not saved this morning, if you have never responded and come to the Lord Jesus Christ, my your way is determined by your mind. And your mind is blinded by Satan, the devil. And it's according to the course of this world that you're traveling. And that's Satan's way. And because Satan has deceived you with the pleasures of sin, you're not one of the Lord's sheep this morning. You're, in fact, one of Satan's menagerie. That's what you are. Jesus said that going your own way, you're traveling the broad way. And you have your back towards God. And the broad way leads to destruction. Please grasp that, friend, this morning. We read in Proverbs, it's said twice in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I want you to know, friend, if you're not saved this morning, if you were to come to the Savior, if you were to come one of his sheep this morning, my first of all, all your past sins, whether open sins or secret sins, will be purged will be cleansed away and will never be remembered against you anymore. Isn't that a blessing? That's the first thing, but the second thing is you receive the gift of eternal life and you'll never perish. And the third thing is that you're assured that you'll never perish and you'll never see hell or the torments that are there for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you, friend, I ask you, is it not utter foolishness For you to miss blessings such as these, because they're free to you. Now, they cost Jesus his very lifeblood and the agonies of Calvary, but they're free to you. Knowing that you're not one of the Lord's sheep, and that the alternative is living your life with a guilty conscience. 
knowing that in eternity you'll be in everlasting torments in that place called hell. Tell me why? Why will you not come to Jesus and become one of his sheep today and receive the blessings and the bounty that he offers to you if only you'll come? My, the good news is that you can come just now. You don't have to walk up to the front of a church. You don't have to sign a card. Friends, the good news is that you can come just now where you sit. And if you do, my, you'll leave this service or you'll leave this promotion and you'll leave it, dear friends, being able to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. And how important that is in all of our lives. I'm not following Jesus. I'm, I'm not following Satan I'm following Jesus from this day on. The cross before me and the world behind me. And I'm going on with Jesus. What a privilege. And the psalmist could say, the Lord is my shepherd. In fact, can I say just that as I was thinking about this, the Lord actually gave me what I would call maybe three sections to this message. And the first one is to you if you're not saved, dear friends. If you're not saved, you need to come to the Savior and make no delay. Now, turning to the opening words of this psalm, which is a testimony to the fact that the psalmist was under new ownership. As part of the Lord's flock, he was saying this. He was saying, I am not your own, my own. I've been bought with a price. Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's a truth which is such an encouragement to those of us who have come to the Jesus and who are the Lord's sheep this morning. We are the sheep of the Good Shepherd. First of all, we are his purchased possession. We're redeemed from the clutches of Satan. Satan can't have us. Oh yes, he can cause us disturbance and distress, but he can never have us, friends. Once we're saved, we're eternally secure. Uh, Then second, we are the personal property of the good shepherd. And when we follow him, we are his responsibility. We are his responsibility and he will care for us. And thirdly, because we are the Lord's sheep, we are eternally secure and nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What blessings are ours as the Lord's sheep? When you can say the Lord is my shepherd, these blessings are yours, dear friends. And why should you not have them and enjoy them? However, you know, for those of us who are the Lord's sheep, the truth of the matter is that blessings always bring responsibilities. You see, being the Lord's personal property, which he purchased with his own blood, we become indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, we are expected and exhorted, having been bought with a price, having become a new creation in Christ Jesus, having been empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit, having received a new nature, we are to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits, which are God's. Now, there's our responsibility. We are new creatures. We have new attitudes. We have totally new new creations, dear friends. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by coming out from and separating ourselves from the worldly, secular trends of our culture and our society. 
We do that by following the shepherd as he leads us in paths of righteousness. And how does he do that? It's according to his word. He leads us. And we look on to verses 2 and 3 in our text. And there are four truths. I want you to grasp these this morning. And for your benefit, dear friends, we who are the Lord's sheep, may make these things easy to remember. They all begin with the letter R, these four things. The first thing that he preserves for us and presents to us, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. In green pastures. He gives us rest, you see. He gives us rest. I think it would be true to say, would it not, that probably the greatest need for God's people today is like the disciples of old, is to come apart and rest for a while. Rest for a while. You see, we live in a society where everybody's hurrying and scurrying around. Where people's careers are their top priority. And they have no time and where everything must be instant. Done yesterday. It has to be done. Someone has said, never before had we so many time-saving gadgets and yet never before have we so little time. And I think that's true. And I believe that keeping us busy in life is one of Satan's most successful ploys. If he can keep you busy laying up treasure on earth, you'll have little time for heavenly interests such as God's word and God's work. That's how he does it, you see. Uh, You're doing it for the family. Oh yes, you're working the overtime for the good of the children. Uh, And he has given you all this and, and yet it's making you not to be interested in the pastures, the green pastures that he has provided for you. And unfortunately, unfortunately many of the Lord's sheep have succumbed to Satan's strategy. And the rest in the green pastures which the good shepherd has provided is foreign to many of his sheep. We're exhorted to be still and know that I am God. How are you ever going to get to know God if you don't spend time with him? Uh, Experience teaches us that busyness with life leads to laziness with the Lord. Just think about it in this way. If you were never to speak to the one that you profess to love in your human relationship, do you not think that the impression they would get was that your love for them is not what it ought to be? It's certainly not your first love. What if you were away from home for a period of time and your loved one wrote you a letter? Would you not read it with interest? Would you not read it again and again? I think you would. But let me ask you this morning, how long has it been since you talked to the Lord? How long has it been since you talked to the Lord? How long has it been since you took time, made time, not took time, but made time to read God's word? And took time to meditate upon what you're reading. This just reading a few verses when you get out of bed in the morning and that's feel that you've done God a favor by doing. Friend, it's no way to grow. It's no way to, to enjoy the green pastures that the Lord has provided. You see, we cannot deny that God loves us with an everlasting love. And we would say glibly, we love him because he first loved us. Yet many of us are so busy We cannot make time to talk to him or read the book that he wrote to us so that we could live as heavenly citizens in a foreign land. Uh, 
Oh, whether it be in your family relationship or whether it be in your spiritual life, friends, the way to express love is not by buying material things. It's by taking time to be with our loved ones. Someone has said the way you spell love is T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. Didn't Isaiah write in 4031 that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If they wait upon the Lord, that's the blessing, you see. And that's why those who come to the midweek Bible study and to the midweek prayer meeting often refer to it as an oasis in the middle of the week. And it is. It's an oasis in the middle of the week. Because he maketh us to lie down in green pastures. Now, I understand that a sheep doesn't lie down easily. I'm not a farmer, but I understand that. And the sheep never will lie down until it's totally satisfied. So the picture in this verse, you see, is that of a sheep lying down fully satisfied. And still, there is an abundance of supply in the green pastures which are all around it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Isn't it true, friends, that one of the first signs of us being physically ill is we lose our appetite? That's one of the first signs. And it's exactly the same symptom that indicates we're unwell spiritually if we lose our appetite. And it's also interesting that one of the evidences that a person who's truly saved and has become one of the Lord's sheep has a desire to do what sheep do and to integrate with the flock. They don't go out on their own, out on the mountains, wild and bare, exposed to every predator that there is. No, no, They, they, they gather together with the sheep, you see. Sheep are not isolationists. They recognize that they're vulnerable. Because there's a predator going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. My, the local church is where you're fed in green pastures of the Word of God. And the heavenly shepherd provides rest for his sheep. Now, he provides refreshment for his sheep. He leadeth me beside still waters. You see the trend here of the eastern shepherd. We, we see shepherds and quite often they're driving their sheep, but the eastern shepherd doesn't drive a sheep. He leads them. And I understand that a sheep does not drink from a babbling brook. So the shepherd leads his flock, and because they know his voice, they follow him without hesitation. And he takes them to still waters. Oh, friends, for you and me, our heavenly shepherd leads us and refreshes us through his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. And because the child of God has spiritual life, they need spiritual nourishment. And the spiritual nourishment of the child of God is always through the word of God, applied by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why he leadeth us by still waters, things that are pure. You see, water in the Bible has two meanings. Two applications and significances. Water for cleansing is a picture of the Word of God. Well, where do I get that? Ephesians chapter 5, 26. 
Paul is speaking about Christ's present ministry to the church. And he says, he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. You see, for washing, water applies the word. My, that is by, that's why attending to the teaching of God's word is so important. But secondly, water is for refreshment internally as a picture of the Holy Spirit. Where do I get that? John seven thirty seven. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, the scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. And as the Lord leads his flock... We see from this verse that he does it with compassion and concern for his sheep's well-being. He leads into green pastures where there's an abundant supply of food to satisfy his sheep. And he leads by still waters where the waters are not raging. The waters are not stagnant. The waters are pure and refreshing so that there's no danger for his sheep. Now here's a message, dear friends. You could say, the first part of it was for the unsaved who are not his sheep. A message of salvation. And here we have something to say to those who are saved. The Lord is my shepherd. Don't allow Satan to get you so busy that you have no time to sit down and meditate upon the word of God. Because that's how your spirit is fed. And now we come to what the Lord has to say to those sheep who are hypocritical sheep. People who profess the Lord's name but are not separated and not surrendered. And so the Lord, the shepherd, provides rest and refreshment. But praise God, he provides restoration. He restoreth my soul. Now, in this we have a very precious truth concerning the grace and the love and long-suffering of our Saviour. I doubt if there's any of us who has not needed restoration at one time or another. Maybe you're here this morning or you're listening in this morning and you know that you need restoration. Your love is not your first love. Things are not what they used to be. Where is the blessedness I knew when first I knew the Lord, the hymn writer says. You see, like sheep are prone to wander. And when we do that, it's because we have stopped listening to his voice. And we've stopped following the shepherd. And we've begun to follow the crowd, the ungodly crowd. And how desperately sad that condition is because it makes a person miserable. If you're a believer this morning and you are not walking in God's word or the light of God's will, if you're a backslider, as we like to call them, you must be the most miserable person in this place. You must be, dear friends. How desperately sad that condition is. You see, when we enter bypath meadows, believe it or not, God still cares for us. And if we can once again fix our eyes upon Jesus, he'll bring us back to the right path, into green pastures and beside the still waters, and he'll restore our souls. He'll restore us to the position within the flock. He'll restore us to protection within the flock. He'll restore us to the place of fellowship with himself. 
And friends, it's so historically true because he's done it for so many. Uh, Let me just mention three this morning. We have several examples of restoration work of the Lord in the lives of wayward sheep and wandering sheep. David, the author of this, this psalm, he was restored. You remember how that he committed sin with Bathsheba. Now, he was restored through judgment. Yes, he was. The baby died. And if you go home and read Psalm 51, please do this. Go home and read Psalm 51 and you count every facet of his being that was affected by his sin and you'll find that there's at least 10 of them right from his mouth, right through his whole body and he was totally affected by sin and he was ashamed, ashamed of what he had done. That's what happens if you're truly the Lord's. And then Peter was restored. And now Peter was a man who, he began to follow, you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he followed the Lord afar off. And you remember what happened because of that? Because he was following afar off, he denied the Lord three times. And then the the Lord said, that little cock's going to crow. Don't know who ever thought about it or not. It was an agricultural sort of a city. Everybody had a garden and there was chickens in it. And you know yourself that when one cock crows, all the other cocks crow. They all get it out in sequence. Did you not think that God had something said to this little cock or to the other cock? You crow and no other cock raised its voice. You see, God was in charge of all these things. The Lord Jesus had this under control. It was a unique situation. And Peter realized his sin and he went out and he wept bitterly. He was miserable, friend. And you're miserable, if you'll be honest, if you're a professing Christian who's not walking with the Lord. The prodigal son was restored, wasn't he? My, he was restored. He thought the the grass was greener on the other side. And and so he he, he, he took his inheritance and he went out and he spent it and squandered it. And he got himself beside the swine trough. Ah, but he was miserable, you say. Why? Because he was a son in the family, but he wasn't where he ought to be. He was miserable. I tell you, you must be miserable, friend, if you're a backslider this morning. But I want to tell you that whatever slip... Whatever sin, our shepherd never discards us. He never discards his sheep. He may use a variety of means to bring us back and accomplish his task in restoration, but his care is constant and consistent because his love is everlasting, you see, and he always has the good, the sheep's well-being in mind. My, whatever your situation, if you're truly one of his sheep, Our shepherd has made restoration possible. If you will just recognize your sin, and if you're recognizing your sin, you confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Is that not precious? Is that not marvelous that our Savior and our shepherd is willing to do that wherever we wander? He'll search us out. The last thing, and I'll be quick, is redirection. Redirection, you see. He promised it provides rest and refreshment, restoration, and then there's redirection. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. 
for his namesake. Ah, you see, following our restoration, there's a redirection. Because he takes us away from the way that we're going and he leads us in paths of righteousness. When any one of us wanders from the path where he leads, we immediately associate ourselves with the unrighteous people. Those who have turned to their own way. Those which have been described in scripture as wolves and enemies of God. That's what you're doing, friend. If you're making friendship with the world and the things of the world. Now we always know when we're in the paths of righteousness. Because we have the peace of God ruling in our hearts and in our minds. Not my will, but thine be done will be our prayer. And doing God's will will not be something grievous to us. It will be pleasurable. Because doing his commandments is not difficult, but it is a delight. Now here's something quickly. Why is it important that he leads us in paths of righteousness? Well, listen friends, here's four simple words. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. wonder if you ever think about those words. You see, when a sheep goes astray, it's not so much a reflection on the individual sheep, but it's always a reflection on the shepherd. It's always a reflection on the shepherd. And if you know of a saint who's fallen into sin, I guarantee that the ungodly people have used it not so much as a criticism of the individual, but as a criticism of the Lord Jesus, the Savior. My, if you're a backslider this morning, does it not concern you that your conduct is not only a reflection of your faithlessness, but it's giving the world an opportunity to criticize the Savior? Do you ever think about that? It's an amazing truth. To think that God has associated the testimony of his name and the testimony of his glory with the walk and conduct of his people. Friend, that's mighty, isn't it? That's mighty. I wonder, can you say this morning, can I say that my will is in harmony with the shepherd's will? Is my obedience of my shepherd's commandments up to date? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John said, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. I wonder does the shepherd find it easy to lead us this morning in paths that he has planned for us? You know, the problem is that quite often his plans don't fit into our plans. And that means we've got to make a decision, doesn't it? But remember, God's plans and God's ways are always perfect. And ultimately, following his way and his plans will bring blessing and glory and honor to his name and will bring blessing to you. We used to sing a wee chorus. I miss some of these wee choruses. I'm saved 64 years next week, so it's a way back a good bit. And it was this. Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied with me? Have I done my best? 
Have I stood the test? Is he satisfied with me? Beloved, what a beautiful little section of this psalm. You see, if we don't get our lives sorted out in time, one day we're going to stand before the Savior, the one who gave himself freely for you. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to look on his face. Wouldn't it be tragic if we didn't hear his commendation? Well done. And we would stand there and ashamedly we would wish we had given him more. Oh, friend, what a tragedy. You see, we have a wonderful saviour. We have an amazing shepherd. A saviour who's not willing that any should perish. And a shepherd who in spite of our failings is willing and ready to provide. Salvation to the sinner, not willing that any should perish. Friend, if you're not saved today, please, please realize the blessings that God is giving and offering if only you'll trust Christ. And know that one day you're going to be my through the valley of the shadow of death and you're going to be in the house of the Lord and dwell there forever. We would see Jesus, the Greeks said. I wonder how we've seen him this morning. As we ought. May God bless these thoughts to your heart and to your minds. For his name.